Well, good morning, Connecting Point family. If you don't know me, my name's Drew, and welcome to my living room. Since the weather's a bit cold, snowy, windy, however you want to describe it, we are having an online-only viewing experience where everyone is joining from the safety and comfort of their own home or wherever they're staying this Thanksgiving weekend. I really hope everyone has made it back from family travel and that nobody has to get out in that mess today. Before we get started into Pastor Doug's final installment of the Balance series, I do have a few reminders for you. First of all, if you're new to Connecting Point, I want to give a special shout out and welcome to you. If you're watching through our online platform, make sure to click the link above that says I'm new. Fill out that short form and let us know you are watching with us today. And we'll drop a small gift in the mail for you this week. Also, for anyone else watching through Connecting Point TV or via our app, we encourage you to enter the chat window and interact with us today. Even though we're all physically apart, we want to be together in spirit, and contributing to our community chat is a great way to do that. If anything else, at least jump in and let us know you're here. We'd love to know who's watching with us this morning. Now, we do have a few reminders for you about some upcoming events, starting with the Connecting Point Kids Christmas Musical. This year's a bit different. We have two showings, one Saturday night and one Sunday night, December 2nd and December 3rd. Both shows will start at 6 p.m. in the Connecting Point Worship Center. Now, these kids have been working their tails off, and we would really love it if you would come out and support our kids. That said, if you're a parent or guardian with a child in the musical, a special reminder for you that kids have a dress rehearsal this Wednesday the 28th at 6.30 p.m. The final dress rehearsal will be on Saturday morning from 9 to 11.30. Then, the following Saturday, we have a special event for the women of Connecting Point. Flannel and Flapjacks will be at Destinations Coffee House on December 8th at 9 a.m. There will be pancakes with assorted toppings, coffee, and a hot chocolate bar. For admission, please bring a new pair of socks or gloves to donate to the People City Mission. Since the event is named Flannel and Flapjacks, ladies are, of course, encouraged to wear flannel. There will also be a Christmas sock exchange, and if you want to get in on that, just bring a pair of Christmas socks stuffed with a few little goodies. If you do plan to attend, please help the women's ministry plan ahead by filling out your RSVP through the Connecting Point app or by clicking the link that's about to show up over here in the chat window. A couple last-minute notes before we get started. We still have a few gifts available on the angel tree. Of course, since we're not meeting at the church today, you can't go grab one after service, but we will make these available throughout the week. Also, keep an eye out on the Connecting Point Facebook page for more information on gifts needed. We will be collecting all gifts next Sunday, December 2nd, so if you did take a gift tag, remember to bring in your wrapped gift with you next week. Also, next week marks the start of our Advent series, A Thrill of Hope. To go along with our weekly messages, we have an Advent devotional that follows our series available for purchase. These books will be available next week, also after service, for $6. Please make sure you stop by the merch table in the lobby and get your copy if you haven't already. Finally, if you're prepared to give today, you can still do so even without an offering container. If you're watching on Connecting Point TV, simply click the giving link at the top of your screen. If you're joining us from a smart TV or YouTube, you can easily download the Connecting Point Church app from your app store if you haven't already. From there, just click the Give link and it will direct you to our web portal. If you don't have a smart device, you can also visit our website at connectingpoint.church and click the Giving link at the top of the page. Well, I think I've been talking long enough, so let's hand it over to Pastor Doug as we hear the final installment of our balance series titled Developing a Plan. 
Well, good morning and welcome to my living room. Hopefully you all are home safe and sound on this uh, wintry Sunday morning. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different this morning. We wanted to make sure, uh, given the forecast, that you all were safe. And so we're doing online church today. Uh, we're going to wrap up a series that we've been working our way through over the past five weeks or so. And we've been talking about balance. And by now, everybody ought to be very familiar with the three laws of balance that I gave beginning in week one. The first law says that whenever you're trying to balance something, you have to have a reference point, right? And so we decided that in the world of finances, the thing that should, uh, never take, we should never take our eyes off of is where's the money going? Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. The next law of physical balance we talked about is you've got to have a clear objective. In, in other words, you need to know, what is it that I'm trying to do? What is my primary objective? And, and of course, in the realm of finances, we said our main objective is simply to honor God. We, we want to honor God in our spending. We want to honor God in our saving, our giving, everything. Not just a percentage, but our goal ought to be to honor God with everything. And then, of course, we said whenever you're balancing something physically, you have to make constant corrections. And the first correction we talked about was in the area of generosity. And so we asked ourselves, am I consuming everything that comes my way or am I leveraging any of it for kingdom purposes? Then last week we had this wonderful conversation that everybody thoroughly enjoyed about discontentment. We, we talked about how our spending is so often driven by our discontentment, which comes, if you remember, as a result of awareness. When, when I become aware of the newer, the better, the shinier, then all of a sudden I'm not content with what, with, with what I once was content with. And, and it's my discontentment that gets me in all kinds of trouble when it comes to spending. Well, this morning, as we finish up, finish up what uh, I want to do this morning is I want to give you a very simple plan when it comes to managing your personal finances. And the plan that I want to give you, I'll just tell you right now, I didn't come up with it. I actually stole it directly from the teachings of both the Old and New Testament. But before I give you the plan, just to kind of get us started, I want to talk to you about five things that each of us do with our money. Now, I'll tell you up front, I know that there are going to be some subcategories to all of these, but these are primarily the five things that we all do with money. Are you ready? Here they are. First of all, you can spend it, which all of us are pretty good at that. Uh, then secondly, you can pay off debt. Third, we, we pay our taxes, which we'll all be doing that here in a few months. Uh, then we can save if there's anything left over after our taxes. And then finally, we can give it. Those are the five options that we have with money. And what's interesting is, is that this is the typical order for most of us when we prioritize what we do with money. Priority number one, we, we, we spend. Priority number two, we pay for things that we bought that we couldn't afford to pay for when we bought it, and so now we have to pay it off. And then priority number three, you know, yeah, I got to pay for my taxes. And then if there's any left over, maybe I can save some. And if there's anything left over after that, I'll, I'll give it, you know, to my, to my local church or to somebody in need or to a local charity or whatever. But these are the five things that we do with money. And essentially, this is the order in which we do them. 
Now, I, I want to go through this list one more time and just kind of put a different spin on it. We, we could categorize number one as me because typically when I spend money, it's, it's about me and mine. N number two, we could also categorize as me. Uh, number three, we could call that America or, or we. And then number four is, again, me. And, and then finally, number five, we could call that God and others. So, so when you think about it in those terms, typically our priorities are me, me, we, me again, and then finally, God and others. That's our priority. Now, from a Christian perspective, the problem with this way of living is pretty obvious, right? The, the problem when we prioritize our financial lives like this is that God and others are where? D down here on the bottom. You, you know, it, if I haven't spent it all, if, if I don't owe it all, if the government doesn't get it all, and then if I don't save it all for myself later, then, then God and others might get something if there's anything left over. In other words, the problem with this system is that God and others only get my leftovers. Now, in spite of the fact that most of us prioritize our money in this way, what's interesting is it certainly doesn't keep us, in fact, typically it doesn't even cause any hesitation on our part, from going to God when we get into financial trouble. And saying, God, help me. I need, I need to pay for this. God, I've got to sell this house. God, I, I need a new job. I've, I've got to get my kids through college. God, I need more money. So help me, help me, help me. And I believe that sometimes God looks at us operating in this manner. And he's like, help you? With, with what? And we're like, well, help me, help me take care of me. And then if there's anything left over, you. Now, now, obviously, I don't really know what God is thinking, so I'm making this part up. But, but I'm pretty sure that sometimes he's looking at us and he's going, why? Because most of the time, it's pretty obvious where I stand, right here. That is until you need something. Here's what's interesting. We, we have a habit here. And the credit card company forces us to have a system here. The, the government causes us to have a system here. Our employers allow us to have a system here. But this is the only place that is totally random, based completely on what's left over. If I have anything left and I feel like it, then I'll give. And then we say, God, would you please help me in the area of my personal finances? Now, now here's what we're going to discover from Scripture today. This is sort of where we're, we're going. The way you prioritize your personal finances represents either an open door to your Heavenly Father or a closed door. And in both the Old and New Testaments, it's very clear that the way we prioritize and that's going to be our key word today, prioritize. The way we prioritize our money represents an open door or a closed door to God. And I'm telling you, the priority system of me, me, 
America, me, and then God and others is a closed door. Now that being said, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture this morning, and I want to argue the best I can for the fact that that if you will begin to systematically change the way you prioritize, the way you manage money, it is actually an invitation for God to do something unusual in the area of your personal finances. Now, I don't understand how it works, but I'm telling you, something happens when you learn to reprioritize your finances. So let's go ahead and look at the first passage of Scripture. It's found in the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, chapter 3. And before we read what Malachi has to say, let me tell you a little bit about this guy, Malachi. Malachi was a prophet during a time when Israel's priorities looked kind of like this right here. And essentially, Malachi's message to the nation of Israel was, was quit bringing your leftovers to God. You see, back then, they had this sacrificial system where they were supposed to bring the best sheep, the best of their animals, the best of their harvest, and give it to God. And this was to be done first. And Malachi is saying to the people, he says, what happened? You stopped doing that. Instead, you're only giving God what is left over. He says, you're taking your most scrawny, messed up, chased around by the dogs, lame, caught in the gate animals, and you're saying, here, God, you can have this. And God's not honored by that. And then here's the crux of Malachi's message. And what I want you to listen for is this issue of priority. These were people who were giving, but their priorities were all upside down. Malachi chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. He says, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Did you catch that? Return to me, and I will return to you. In other words, Malachi is saying, that in some kind of physical, tangible, relational way, God is saying to the nation of Israel, I would, I would love to move in your direction, but first, I'm waiting for you to move in mine. I'm waiting for you to make me a priority. But you ask, how are we to return? In other words, what does that look like to, to return. Verse 8, he says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. To, to which they say, How do we rob you? How do we rob God? How, how do we return to God? Again, in verse 8, God says, You're robbing me in tithes and offerings. Now, for those who may not know, real quick, let me just explain the tithe, and then we'll jump into verse 9. Most of you probably know this, but a biblical tithe is 10% of your increase. And for Jewish people in this particular time, this, is, this was about 400 years before Jesus showed up, about 400 B.C. Around then, in ancient Israel, they had to give a double tithe. Whenever they had income, whether it was weekly or monthly or whatever, they would bring their income right off of the top, 10%, into the temple 
to pay for whatever happens in the temple. And, 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 you know, this was used to pay the priest and to keep the sacrificial system going, whatever was going on in the temple. And then some of that money also went to the communities to help the poor. But then they had a second tithe. Now, imagine doing this. They were to save up another 10%, store it up, save it up, and then once a year, everyone was to go to Jerusalem to take their 10% and invest it in this, this national feast that celebrated God. It was this huge party that celebrated God, a huge festival. And then if, if that wasn't complicated enough, every third year, the money that was normally given for this big national party, every third year, that money was distributed to poor people in the community. So when God says, you've been robbing me of your tithes, plural, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, you've been giving, but not in the way I've instructed you to give. Giving is no longer the priority for you. And in that way, God says, you've been robbing me. All right, verse 9. You know, he's talking to Israel. He's not talking to us. He's talking to Israel. But he says that you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. So what is God saying here? He's saying, what he's saying is in relationship to the fact that he had this covenant set up with Israel that went clear back to the time of Moses, where God had said, if you honor me, then I'll honor you. If you honor me, then I'll protect you from all of your enemies. If you honor me, then your crops will grow bigger than, than everybody else's crops. If you honor me, then I'll take care of you. And everyone will look at you and know that I am your God and you are my people, if you honor me. But the people had broken that covenant. They had drifted away from honoring God, specifically by moving God to the bottom of their priority list, especially in the area of their finances. And so in verse 10, God says to the people, He says, bring the whole tithe, not just bits and pieces, not, not just whatever you have left over after you've done whatever it is you wanted to do with what I gave you, but bring the entire tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then He says, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, Malachi is saying, look, God has promised that He will honor you if you'll honor Him. He's promised that if you will prioritize His kingdom, then He'll take care of you. And God is saying, test me on this. Try me. I dare you. I double dog, double sheep, double camel, whatever they did back then, I dare you to make me first and then watch and see what I'll do. Because by, by prioritizing me financially, that lets me know where your heart is. And once I know that I've got your heart, God says, I can't help myself. I, I can't resist moving in your direction and moving on your behalf. Now, now I know that some of us, when we hear all of this, what we tend to hear is, this is all about somebody wants my money, right? But, but God is saying, and Jesus says, as we'll see in, in just a minute, this isn't about getting your money, it, but it is all about getting your heart. 
This is all about getting your devotion. God is saying, I, I, I want to be number one. I'm not going to settle for number five. I want to be number one. And God knows, because God knows you and God knows me, He knows that when He is number one in the realm of our finances, that it's then and only then that He is really number one in our life. Because our heart always follows our money. Your heart and your affection follow the money trail. So God says, I, I want you to move in my direction. And you do that by putting me first financially. And again, this isn't about the money. It's totally about priority. God is saying, I don't want to be number five on your list. In fact, it's an insult for me to be fifth or seventh or tenth on the list. And then you have the nerve to get on your knees or lie in bed at night and say, oh God, help me, help me, help me, help, move in my direction. And God says, how about you move in my direction? Verse 10, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me. In other words, God is saying, move me to the top of the list. Move in my direction and then watch and see what I do. Now, I want to make this clear. What we're reading here is a promise to the nation of Israel. It's not a promise to the United States of America. And so it's not a direct promise to you and to me. However, it does reflect a principle that we find throughout the scripture. And the principle is that in any area of our lives where we put God first, especially when it costs us, God says, watch what I'll do. Now that you've thrown open the door and invited me into that area of your life, watch what I'll do. Let's, let's jump into the New Testament. Because as you read the New Testament, nothing could be clearer than the reality that God desires to move in a very tangible way in our direction. In fact, God made the very first move by sending His Son, right? He sent His Son as a model and a directive of how to live. He sent His Son, Jesus, as an illustration of His grace and mercy. And now the question is, will we throw open the door of our lives and make Him a priority? So listen to what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 6. Now we've already looked at these verses earlier, but this is a repeat. And so, But I want you to listen to these verses again with, with this idea of priority in mind. And again, this is a reflection of what Malachi said over 400 years before Jesus ever said these words. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. In other words, there can only be one number one. So no one can serve two masters, Jesus says. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. In other words, Jesus is saying, you, you know what? Either I'm going to be number one on the list, or you're going to be number one on the list. Next, he even makes it more specific. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, practically speaking, it's kind of ironic how this works. I mean, most of us want to serve God. 
I mean, we, we pray and we read our Bibles, we, we come to church, we sing songs, we, we, we raise one hand or maybe we, we raise both hands. We, we hear the truth preached and, and we get touched and we say amen. Yet in reality, where the rubber really meets the road, we keep God in a place where he's still number five. And Jesus is saying, wait a second, time out. For, for me, really to be the master and the ruler of your life, I mean, by definition, I have to be first in every area of your life, which, by the way, includes our personal finances. I mean, I mean Jesus is saying it's easy to make me first in your prayer life. It's, it's easy to say I'm first when you sing about me and get emotional and lift your hands. I mean, it's easy for, for you to make me first when you give of your time and you serve in ministry. I mean, maybe a little less easy, but, but that's not the issue. Jesus says the issue when it comes to lordship is all about God or money. Let, let's, let's skip down to verse 31. This is part of the same conversation. Jesus says, so, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Let, let, me, let me read that a little different way. What shall me eat? <laughs> don't worry about what shall me eat. You just take the W and turn it upside down because that's the real issue here. What shall me eat? Because me, you know, it's all about me. After all, I'm number one. So what shall me eat? What shall me drink? What shall me wear? That's, that's what my worry is when I'm number one. Because my number one worry is usually about me. You know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? And, and Jesus says, the reason that you're worried about all this stuff is because you're at the top of the list and I'm down at the bottom. And he's going, look, look, that kind of list, that's the kind of list that people who don't even believe in me have. Verse 32, he says, for the pagans run after all of these things. In other words, people who don't even believe in God prioritize their life like this. And he says, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of this stuff. And then here's the verse that you've heard a thousand times, but, but it's a verse that is tacked on to the end of this conversation about stuff and money. Verse 33, Jesus says, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. In other words, prioritize first my kingdom instead of your kingdom. Listen, this isn't me talking. This is Jesus. And what he's saying is so awesome because he's, he's giving us this incredible promise. He says, if you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, here's my promise to you. All of this stuff is going to be added or given to you. In other words, Jesus says, if you'll take your list and you'll you'll turn it upside down. <laughs> if you'll turn it upside down, and if you'll put me first, and if you put others first, if you'll seek me first, now what you've done is you have thrown the door wide open and all of this other stuff that you prioritized because you were so worried about it, all of this other stuff, I'm going to provide that for you anyway. 
Seek first by kingdom, and all of these will be added or given to you. Now listen, I want to make this clear. What we're talking about this morning isn't about how to get rich. The good news is, is that most of you already are rich. If you're, if you're already eating and living indoors, then if you already have money in the bank, you know, if you're not worried about what you're going to eat today after you watch this message, then you are already rich compared to most people in the world. And so this isn't about how to get rich. What this is about is about reprioritizing and the sense of peace that comes with knowing that God has invaded this area of your life because you've thrown the door wide open. You, you, can, you can give and save and pay taxes and, and repay debt and then live on what's left over. Now here's what's great about the United States of America. If you do this correctly, and if you do this correctly, then guess what happens to these? It isn't a trick question that if, if you do this correctly and you utilize some of the advantages that, and some of the financial tools that are given us to do this correctly and it comes to our savings, then your taxes do what? They go down, right? You gotta love this country. If you give correctly and if you, if you save correctly, then these go down. If you do it the other way, what happens to these? They keep going up, right? Now, here's what I want to do. I want to make this even simpler for you. And, and this is the system that I would love for you to learn to live with. It's very simple. Here is the system I would love for you to live with. It's simply give, save, live. Give, save, and live. In fact, you're, I know you're at home, you're not here with me, but I want you to say this out loud. Right now, just say it with me, all right? Say, give, some of you aren't saying it, okay? Say this out loud with me. Give, save, and live. Give, save, and live. So, so here's what happens. When you get paid, first thing you do is invest in God's kingdom. That's priority number one. Then the second thing you do is you invest in your kingdom. That's your future. You need to save money. And then finally, you decide, you know what? We're going to just live on the rest. After we've given to invest in God's kingdom, we've saved to invest in our future kingdom, we're just going to live on the rest. And folks, this is how, I'm telling you, this is how you throw open the door to God's involvement in your financial future. And I'm telling you, rich people, poor people, and everybody in between, according to Scripture, this is the key to financial success. This is the key to true financial freedom. This is the key to financial peace. You see, there's something that happens when you prioritize God and others over yourself. And I know many of you watching this, many of you know this way better than me. But when you prioritize God and others over yourself, what you are doing is all of the sudden, you're acting like your Father in heaven. You're like His representative. You're, 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 like, you're like a little kid who just is copying his daddy or her daddy. So here's my question. How many of us 
How many of you watching would be willing to reorder your life if needed? How many, if needed, would be willing to reorder your life in such a way where God is not number five, but instead he's in his rightful place at number one? Would you be willing to to sometime, even this week, to just, just sit down and evaluate your current priorities of your own personal finances? And if you're not living in such a way where God is the number one priority, would you be willing to begin to work your way to where he is? For those of you who are willing to do that, if you do, what you will be doing is what Jesus instructed you to do and by seeking first the kingdom of God. In probably the most difficult area of all to seek first the kingdom of God. And and when you seek first the kingdom of God in this area, His promise is that all of those other things will be added unto you. And on top of that, you'll have more peace. You'll have more margin. You'll have a better story. And ultimately, you will have a richer life. Because you'll be able to lie in bed at night and you'll be able to know that your heavenly Father is looking after you and taking care of you. Father, thank you for your promise. You've given us so many wonderful promises. And Lord, this morning we want to thank you for your promise that if we would take and we would flip our list upside down and we would put you first in the priority of our spending, in the priority of our finances. And if we would seek your kingdom first, and if we would invest in your kingdom, and we would learn to live in this way where we, we, we give and we save and we live, your, your promise is that you will provide all of our needs. And so, Lord, we're thankful for your great and many promises. We claim them this morning. And, Lord, I pray your blessing upon each individual that's watching this live stream this morning. I pray that your hand would be upon them and that you would bless them and that you would continue to grow them in your likeness. Lord, we thank you for the gift of technology that that even on days like this when we can't be together in person that we can still be together through this, this venue. So Lord, we praise you for it. Again, we pray your blessing upon us. Bring us safe together again next week. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us online today. If you missed the notes at the start of service, you can still give online today just by clicking the giving link at the top of this page if you're watching on the Connecting Point TV platform. Also, if you're a new person, make sure to click the I'm New link and fill out that form. We'd love to send a special gift for you in the mail. And for everybody else, we'll see you next week at Connecting Point Church.